Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Writers Guild of Alberta online reading series. I'm Sue Farrell Haller. Tonight, I'm in conversation with Alberta author Oni Odi to talk about her children's picture book, A Mother's Love. We're here for about 45 minutes, and Oni is going to give us a reading. She's going to tell us a lot about the inspiration for her story and maybe give us a sneak preview of what's coming up in her life. So Oni, welcome. It's so great to see you. Um, I guess I should give your full introduction here as well. Um, so you might, you know, get all flustered when you hear how wonderful you are. So Oni Odi is a speaker, author, educator, and more. She expresses herself in several ways to fulfill her desire to build stronger families. As a teaching practitioner, she has worked with families for many years. Her understanding of parents and their engagement slash involvement with their children has been an outstanding achievement for her. In the course of teaching, she developed a love for reading books for children which developed into writing books for children. She has a great love for kids and hopes to use her stories to speak for them and to them. Tonight, she's going to tell us about her self-published book, A Mother's Love, which has been shared virtually with school children in Calgary, Nigeria, and the Caribbean island of St. Lucia, allowing her to share the message of her book with children on different continents. She lives in Calgary with her family and what she loves to do will be no surprise. She loves to read children's books. So welcome Oni. Thank you. It was so good to listen to you read all of them. Like, oh, that's me, right? And that explains why I'm here for sure. Yes, to talk about the message behind the book a mother's love. I'm going to listen to all the questions you have to ask me now, and I'll be answering them as you ask. Well, that sounds like a great idea. So what drew you to writing for children? Interesting. I have a book, but the intent was never. Um, I like to think that I'm a good reader, but it's all been in my head for a long time. And then one day, one of my children says to me, I like how you read. And that inspired me to do more than just reading. Um, I actually wanted to start out reading, but I was concerned about copying all the issues. So I said, how about writing a story? And it came quite easily because as an educator, lots of stories of us every day or confront educate every day. And so I decided that my stories weren't going to go to waste anymore. I was going to put it to good use and make a book out of it. And so that's exactly what's put me on this path. That's fantastic because so many writers uh, do a lot of writing, but they never take that next step that you've taken, that you, you get it out of that box or out of that file and you say, yes, I'm going to share this with whoever is willing to listen. So you're a mother of a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. Did they inspire your story? Um, not at all. So there are three parts to the inspiration behind this short book. 
But yes, first of all, um, I think I got to that place where, like I said, I no longer want my stories to go to waste. And it's interesting that you also say many people decide to write, but they never get to the point where it becomes a book for other people to read. So um, on this day was um, Mother's Day. I'd witnessed, I planned an activity for the children in my class. I'm just going to quickly have something to show you. And so this art, I hope you can see it, mm -hmm. inspired the book, I should say, because after watching moms and their children get together to do this, I took one look at it and this line came to mind. And this is also part of the book. It says, a mother's love is deeper than a tree's root, wider than a tree's branches and it grows the best flowers. And this is a tree and it's, it's all covered up, but right on the flowers, uh, pictures of the children. So this was a strong message for me. And that's what started the journey to a mother's of one piece. And after this was done, I'd witnessed two children going through a very sad moment. And I wanted to document that. As, as an educator, we often document different processes, but this was documentation with a message. And I hope that sums up what um, led to writing this book, but yes. Excellent. So Oni, now that you have tickled us a bit by telling us the inspiration for your story, I'm wondering if you would like to read your book to us. Oh, certainly. Um, I have a copy of The Mother's Love here, and I'm going to read it right away. Fantastic. Mother's Love by Oye Odi, illustrated by Jose Antonio Acosta. She went to bed last night and woke up before sunrise. She makes sure all is set for a busy day. I call her wise. A mother's love, sometimes misunderstood, remains unchanged with one baby, two, or a brood. When all asleep and the night is bliss, one more peep and she plants a kiss. A mother's love, sometimes harsh or cold, but one thing is certain, it never grows old. Sometimes you cry and she leaves you behind. It makes her sad too. If only you could read her mind. A mother's love. What did she do all day but think about you? You run into her arms. She picks you up with a smile, ready to hear all you had to do. A mother's love is deeper than a tree's roots, wider than a tree's branches, and it grows the best 
flowers. That's the story of a mother's love. I'm just going to share a bit more about the illustration of the book. And so some of the feedback that I've gotten so far. With children, illustration is always a thing. So right at the back here, some children thought it was funny that these people here were peeking at their mom while she was making breakfast. And that's just something that I got told about and it was funny. But remember I said the whole reason why this book came to life is because I wanted to share a message. And as an educator, some of the observation that I have picked up from the children that I work with is that sometimes when a baby comes, it makes them feel sad. And indeed, when I read this book to a group of children in a book club, one child screamed. She says, oh, she said, oh, the boy's sad because his mommy has another baby. And that for me was so refreshing because it opened up a whole other conversation and something that I think, and this is a message to parents to pay attention to. Um, this picture just helps children to know that mothers are everywhere and they care for their children regardless if it's one baby or several babies. Um, that's a sneak peek into the book. I'm going to save the rest of it for if you grab a copy. Thank you for listening. Mm, very good. And I can see why the children love having you read to them. You're a beautiful reader and your words are really beautiful. And I was really glad to have seen that, um, the artwork that inspired the story so that we really understood that, that piece of where that came from. So great work. So you self-published. And I'm wondering why you chose to go that route. Hmm. Interesting. My, my response is very simple. Um, this story is very close to my heart. If you, um, with the, the reason why I wrote this story, I was at a place where I thought this message needed to get out very quickly. And quite honestly, self-publishing just felt like a really fast route. And that's not to say that it doesn't have its challenges because I went in not knowing what to expect. But that's really why I chose self-publishing. Um, with the other drafts that I have, I would probably do a different thing. But I, I find that when I want a story to go out, regardless of all the other things that an author or writer has to go through, the marketing, the publicity, and all of that. Self-publishing just felt like an easier route. I don't know if that's the right way to say, but it just meant that I could have my story out quicker. And that's why I chose self-publishing. Mm -hmm. Certainly it would get the story out quicker, but it would have given you a lot more jobs. For one thing, you had to find an illustrator. How did you go about doing that? Oh, for sure. So there's also the, um, what's it called? Is it editing or I, I forgot, I can't remember what the right word is. So yes, I um, for that I had help. So when I was writing the story, and this is a little bit conflicting because I'd found, um, uh, author in residence at different libraries. Oh, so I sent them my work for review. And because I think sometimes when you're a creative person, you have to detach from feedback, but then there's also that part of judgment because I remember sending it to one person and she thought it was great 
that it had, um, it, it flowed like a poem. Mm -hmm. And that I, I eventually found out that she's a poet. And then I sent it to somebody else and that person had a different view. So there's always that part of you that needs to make judgment. But yes, that's some of the struggle that I had. Interestingly, finding an illustrator wasn't so, so much of a hassle. Um, I was able to jump in somewhere and find an illustrator. But then there's the marketing, there's the publicity, there's the printing. And quite honestly, the one thing that shocked me. So when I wrote this story, I already talked about how I wanted the message to come out. I had thought that there were platforms that would allow the book to be printed because right now it's mostly just um, an online copy. Okay. And then to my surprise, I found out that children's books needed to be 32 pages or something like that for printing. But at the time of writing this, I was thinking of my audience, the three to five-year-olds that really have a short attention span when it comes to reading. And I know there are books, hard copy books, uh, board books that have less pages, but that was something that I found out when this was done. And I'm like, okay, I wasn't planning for this. So there are lots of challenges for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a big industry to try to learn quickly and all by yourself because they're yeah, it, it's a huge, it's a huge undertaking. And I think you're very brave to do it. <laughs> I definitely agree. It's a huge yeah. undertaking. Yeah. So what was the, what would you say was the most difficult piece of it then of, of self-publishing? So you, you have, don't have it as a, um, a physical book. You would just have an ebook. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Um, so Hmm. I'd have to think what the most difficult, I think because I wanted it to be validated by other people, um, I had to learn to take feedback and use it the best way that I could. And also put myself in a place where I could really just judge to know, because I'd also asked about being in a critic group. I think that's what it's called. And I'd been advised against it. So these are some of the things that when you decide to start writing, you really want to pay attention to. Um, it, it's quite time consuming, honestly, because um, especially with the illustration. Oh yes, I found an illustrator quite all right, but I had certain images in my head and the illustrator had something entirely different. Mm -hmm. But I think um, a support system of some sort, I should mention that when I decided to start reading, I found a mentor. And it helped that I found someone that was self-published and someone that I could learn from, you know? So every time I got stuck, I would go back to this person. And quite honestly, that's the one person that helped solve the challenge with the illustration. So yes, these are some of the things that come to mind for sure. Yeah, very, very good. So with the the sort of the conflict, and conflict is probably the bad word, not, not the right word, um, but you had images in your head, the illustrator had images. So how did you, did you work together to settle that out or so, did you just um, go with what he wanted? The person that I talked about helped me see things in a different perspective and a bit more clearly. So just giving a practical example, I wanted the images to look real, like real people. And then when I taken this back to my mentor, the feedback I got was that you don't want to, 
make your book look as though it's for a certain type of people. So if you if you if you notice the images, some of people are purple. Yeah, <laughs> I, I struggled. Yeah, I, I struggled with that at the start. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I struggled with that at the start. But when she explained that, it made sense to me because then it's more universal. It doesn't cut out anyone. And then. Um, the part where there was a grandma for me was also very interesting. So we had to come up with ideas. I'd For every line, I'd sent across what my expectation was. And the illustrator was very welcoming of that, yes. Oh, good, good, good. Because sometimes they don't like that. <laughs> oh, this illustrator was very good to work with. Yeah. I think it made the whole writing process easy. And when we were done with that, then we had other things to face. But from the writing to the illustration, I think those were, you know, the easy part of the process. Yeah, the illustrations are really beautiful. Um, I just, I love the vibrancy and and I did notice that all the different skin tones and stuff on the, the people in the story. I thought it was really well done. Very, very nice. Thanks. So, um, <laughs> you've described yourself as not a typical author. And I'm wondering quite what you mean by that. Hmm, so when I think of authors, I often think of people that have had training and, you know, this is also coming from my childhood and just thinking about authors as people that you can't reach. And so it's also very interesting for me that I've taken on this um, role to write because first of all, I should say as an educator, many times you're teaching children how to write. And I've been in that position where I'm trying to encourage a child to write a story. And they say to me, I can't do it. And I really didn't want that lack of typical training to limit me because then I was asking myself, what message are you going to be telling your students when you tell them to write and they say they can't do it. So that's the one part um, that I'm coming from. Plus, many times, even with children, and that's why I'm so happy that I get the chance to read books to children, because there's this connection. An author isn't someone that they cannot relate with. I remember one time reading to a group of children, and a parent comes back to me and says, oh, my son saw you reading a book that you had written. Um, I think that with the platforms that exist, and I'm one person that strongly believes that people have different sides to them. Um, some people may have gotten more training for one thing, but it doesn't mean that you can't try other things. So that's, that's in summary, that's what I say when I'm talking about not being a typical um, author. I think you're very right there that people often don't take that risk. Um, it, it, it becomes a, 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 almost a, a barrier that they might have this idea, but oh, they, they actually want to write it and they want to be a writer, but it's difficult to, to take that next step and to write it down and then to even take the next step as you did to, to publish it. So good on you. I could just add there, I think that when it comes to creativity, um, because you are showcasing yourself to a lot of people, there's the fear of being criticized. And that, that many times it meets people, but 
if you remember, I said I'd gotten to a point where I was just like, you know what, just do it. And quite honestly, that's the reason why I'm talking to you today. So this is inspiration for anyone. And plus, again, going back to my background as an educator, I'll be honest with you, I have picked up books to read to children and I felt, what was this person thinking? But the children I'm reading the book to are just laughing and having the best time of their lives. And they're probably going, can you read that to me again? And so I think that honestly, I would much rather have a number of stories than a shortage of stories just because someone's afraid of what other, especially if you're writing for children, just go for it, honestly. Absolutely. So you used a rhyming text in this. Did that come from working with a writer in residence or was it kind of in that shape to begin with? You have to explain to me what you mean. Oh, well, it, 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 it's a, uh, a rhyming text, like a, like oh, a, a rhyming text. I heard running. Oh, okay. um, no, that was, that was all me. Um, like I said, I sent it to one person and the person didn't think. So the whole idea of my audience was what helped me to shape the story. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to connect with it. Plus it's also for me a teaching piece because when I, share this book with young children. I want to be able to draw their attention to so many other things. And that's how you share a book, which is why the length of it wasn't so important to me, but the other pieces in the story. So the message, the rhyming words, you know, when, for example, we're doing rhyming in class, I want to be able to say, do you hear that? So that's exactly what it was for me. And then just going back to that part again, where some people didn't think it should rhyme and somebody else thought it should rhyme, but I just had to be the one to decide eventually. So that came from me, not anyone else. Perfect. So do you um, write in other genres? Like, do you do poet? Do you write poetry? Like, do you? Um, so surprisingly, <laughs> I'm finding that <laughs> there is that side of my writing. There, there's quite a number of drafts. There are some that are just stories, but it's interesting. I find that I'm starting to enjoy writing things that are poetry. So I guess <laughs> I could feel that in you somewhere. <laughs> okay. I, I think it actually had to do with, um, with your reading of it and just the way you read this story that there was, there's a poet inside of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming it's, out. It is yeah, coming yeah, out. Let her out. Let her out. That's really lovely. So you mentioned that you have all sorts of stories that are um, in various stages of, of being completed. How do you, how do you um, collect your stories? Do they come as full stories? Or are they ideas? So I, if I, if I would t- say, if uh, what drives me usually is the message. So um, I might meet a teenage child, and there's one piece that I've written that is yet to see the light of day, and it it was just because I'd encountered a teenage child and. I'd written something that I think they would connect with. Um, I've written something about my name because it's something that I get asked quite often. So there's that. Um, I've written something about the tooth 
because since moving to North America, I find that the tooth fairy seems to be quite popular. <laughs> and it's not popular. popular. <laughs> and it's not popular where I come from. So there's different types of things that just pull me. And yes, many times I'm just looking for, but then there's this one that I've written something about my childhood play experience. Because again, I find that play here is really different. So it depends on how I'm feeling or the message I want to pass across. But there's this one that I've written that is also very close to my heart. And I'm sure if I'm going to do anything else, it'd probably be the next thing that you would see me do. And is that is it another picture book? I'm undecided, honestly. I don't know if it's going to stay the way it is, if it's going to be a poem, if it's going to be a picture book. We'll see. I'm not sure. It's nice to keep your options open sometimes and to see where, um, how a piece will develop and what it actually is. Because sometimes we just don't know. It's like having a lump of clay and you mess around with it a bit and it's one thing and then you mess around with it some more and it's something else so did you have something else that you wanted to share with us that you're working on well i might as well share this one because i'm so excited about it i i like the message behind it and i hope that it speaks to someone i'm going to share it it's very raw it needs a lot of editing but for me again the drive is always the message but before I do that, um, seeing as I described myself as someone who's not a typical author, I'll be honest and say that there were times where I questioned my writing journey. And these words are some of the words that have kept me going. And really, I think this journey for me is more of an inspiration, especially when I think about children that I meet. I, most of the things I do are for children anyway. <laughs> So I, this is something that keeps me going. I'm just going to share it real quickly and then jump right into um, the other piece that I'm working on. So I, it's something that I called Why I Write. And it simply says, and maybe this is one of the reasons why you'd say I'm a poet, but we'll see. A book is a message, one that needs to be told for dreams that need to unfold, for the voices that need to be heard, I write not because I know how, but because I can and because I want to. And that's just a short piece that really drives me. And um, in the one line where it says, I write because a book is a message, one that needs to be told, it, it goes back to the reason why I wrote this book. I really wanted to share it with my class and um, talk about and help the children that I had seen struggling with their families, and that's really the message behind the book and the things that make me write. Um, I write for dreams that need to unfold. I told you about um, sharing my story with children that knew me. And I was sure that that would encourage them and make them find their space when it comes to writing. Because many times children struggle. Honestly, they don't even understand why they're made to write. So that's another reason why I write. For the voices that need to be heard. I think that many educators have lots of stories to tell that would benefit the children that they teach. And some of the feedback that I've gotten, um, a mom said to me when she was, when her child was growing up, she never saw a book that portrayed mothers as working mothers. And that was very refreshing for me. Plus um, when I was writing this story, 
I also wanted to share my observation about parents and when a new baby comes. And I wanted parents to pay more attention to their first child when another child comes, because oftentimes they're going through something. So that's a summary. And indeed, not because I know how, because I'm still finding myself in this writing journey, but it's been very interesting. I've gotten a chance to talk to Sue. Very quickly, Sue, I promise. I'm going to read um, the little piece that I've written. I'm just going to give a little background. So since moving to Canada, I have witnessed, or I've heard the story of the 60s scoop And it's interesting because I've listened to a number of survivors, about three or four of them. And I connected with their story. But when I was telling the story about the 60s scoop to someone, I found that they struggled. And so there's also this talk about if um, this should be embedded in the curriculum and whatnot. But very recently, I got inspired by a child that I had seen that didn't speak any English and was in this space with lots of English speaking children. And this is what led me to write this piece. I'm just gonna read it quickly. Um, A day like no other, beautiful, the sun is up and there's hope for the day ahead. In the walls of this new place filled with toys and new people. When I speak, they don't understand. When they speak, I don't understand. I try to be brave, indeed. I am brave. I speak happily in my language when I'm spoken to, although they don't understand, we have a conversation anyway. I'm happy at first. I think this would only last a while. I ask for my mom and I'm repeatedly told, mommy will be here soon. So I keep at it, being brave, adjusting to my new routine. But with every transition, I long for my mom, mom to change my diaper, mom to feed me lunch, mom to put me to sleep at nap time, mom when I wake up, mom to speak to me in a language that I understand. When mom left, she had a smile on her face and kissed me goodbye, assuring me that she would return. But still, my fragile heart worried about when this would be. A little while ago, some children didn't have that reassuring smile as they were stripped from their mother's breasts and backs. When I cried, it was the hope of my mother's smile I held on to. A little while ago, some children didn't have that reassuring smile. When they cried, They heard their mother's loud wailing, her kicking and her screaming as she fought to hold onto them. No mom to change their diaper, no mom to feed them lunch, no mom to put them to sleep at nap time, no mom when they woke up, no mom to speak in a familiar language. That's the end of my poem. There's a lot to think about there, Oni. Oh, indeed. Yeah, very lovely, very thoughtful piece. I would like to thank you so much for being our guest tonight. Um, but before we wrap up, I'm wondering how people would purchase your ebook, A Mother's Love. Oh, thanks for asking. 
My first preference would be to go onto my website. It's odionye.com. I'm sure it will be in the chats or under the description of this recording. Um, the other thing would be to check it out on Amazon. If you have the Amazon Kindle app, then you can read it on there for free, actually. And then it's also on the Kobo online bookstore. So any of those three places, you could find my book for sure. I'd like to invite you to connect with me on social media. Invite me to read a book to your child or just to say hello. I'd really, really love that. Thank you for listening. I've had a wonderful time sharing my stories with you. Oh, it's been wonderful. And I, I actually feel quite inspired after listening to you about that, especially that piece of just um, going ahead and, and trying things and, and trying new things and seeing where they take you. I think as artists that we sometimes forget to do that, we get into a little box of what we do and we don't tend to get out of that little box very often. So very, very good points that you've made there. So thank you so much for that. Um, next up in the WGA online reading series is next week on Wednesday at seven o'clock will be Sharon Butala and she will be hosted by Alice Major. So thank you so much for tuning in this evening. It was great. Don't forget to buy Oni's book. She uh, would be happy to sign it for you if she... <laughs> If you print it off a coffee, I'm sure. So thanks so much, everyone. Have a great evening. <laughs>